Well, Gaia Gaia Hmm. The night sky in uh, 1940s Oklahoma, where I grew up, was wide and clear and filled with stars. It seemed I could almost touch the Milky Way. In fifth grade science, we learned about light years. I tried to imagine how long it took for starlight to get here. It boggled my mind to think that as we stargaze, we are looking deep into the past. Why, those stars might not even exist anymore and we wouldn't know for ages. My 10-year-old mind began to think that the God they talked about in church was just a little too small for this vast universe. Years later, I saw amazing pictures in Life magazine, microphotography of a phage removing an irritant from a lung, taking it to where it could be sneezed out. The scale was as if you or I picked up a rod to move it, only this was a minute bit of fiberglass. Oh, the dramas going on inside our bodies all the time and us unaware. Still later, I saw the film Powers of Ten, which started out focusing on a bird's eye view of a couple picnicking, then zoomed out and out and out by powers of ten to our solar system, our galaxy, beyond our galaxy, beyond our galactic neighborhood, way beyond, and then zoomed back in again to the picnickers, to a patch of skin, to a cell, to an atom. All that circling and orbiting and spiraling, I began to ponder the repetition of patterns over time, over space, from the microcosm to the macrocosm. Meantime, My ponder file was bulging with vexing questions about the nature of human beings. So by this time, I'm in my early teens. My mother's many friends among the Osage had brought me to questions of how a culture can be ravaged, clear-cut like the buffalo. My grandfather's family were unreconstructed Southerners who stood when Dixie was played and supported the sundown laws. No blacks in town after sundown. My stepfather had served with Patton and had pictures from a concentration camp they had liberated. Many of my classmates in the bilingual girls' high school I attended in Montevideo, Uruguay, were Jews, their families' remnants who had fled Europe while there was still time. Genocide, slavery, Holocaust, war, 
And for my generation, the first generation, the ever-present menace of the bomb. What was the matter with human beings? I pondered and pondered. Still pondering. I had not yet met a God I could have a personal relationship with. Certainly nothing as intimate as my relationship with trees or dogs. But I had learned more in Sunday school than I realized. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. My grandmother, who raised me, who had been a teacher in one-room schoolhouses in the Dust Bowl, said a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. She was talking about a chain of righteousness that binds us to the good. It was her stoic philosophy. I came to think of it as the linkages between injustices and the linkages between fighters for justice. I would be the strongest link I could for upholding justice, and I would look for weak links in chains of injustice that could be broken. Fast forward to Arkansas in the 1970s, and I'm in my 30s, and so here we are in Arkansas, we're trying to drag the state into the 20th century. My work for racial equality has brought me to the movement for gender equality. My search for a religion that would not violate my reason has brought me to the Unitarian Universalist movement. In 1973, I coordinated a workshop at the Little Rock UU Church, which was created by the six UU women among the 31 Arkansas women who had recently attended the first National Women's Political Caucus Convention. We used Bible stories to critique churchianity's treatment of women. Churchianity. Not necessarily Christianity, but churchianity. I cited the story of Martha chiding her sister Mary for sitting and listening to Jesus while Martha prepared the food. I said we were more like Mary than Martha and that she and Jesus would have understood our button that urged make policy, not coffee. Ten years later, I was invited to respond to a controversy that had raged that year at SWUSI, the Southwest UU Summer Institute. It was 1983, the year the General Assembly had first considered a new set of principles and purposes, the ones that eventually became the ones we know now. Now, these new principles and purposes had been initiated by women involved in the women and religion movement, notably Lucille Shuck Longview. Just parenthetically, I would say that in 1977, there had been 
The General Assembly had passed a resolution, a women in religion resolution, basically calling on all UU's congregations, ministers, lay people, and so on, to um, uh, to use gender-inclusive language and imagery and to um, make sure that the life of the congregations fully included women. Now, it may come as some surprise to you, but in 1972, I was only the second woman to be president of the board of the Little Rock UU Church. So, you know, this is a little time frame thing here. So, it's 1983, General Assembly, New Principles and Purposes, and a Time magazine article had characterized UUs as considering doing away with God. This was news. And adopting feminism among other religions. At Swoosey, a panel of ministers was asked to comment on whether they considered feminism a religion. Now, I had never thought about feminism as religion, although I had to admit I was a devout feminist. Hmm. When the panel responded with disdain, dismissal, denial, and general ignorance, not only of the women's spirituality movement, but of women's history in general, I exploded along with many others. Much discussion ensued. So there was a a fairly new UU woman minister at the Fayetteville, Arkansas Fellowship, and she was there at Swoosey and listened to all of this. And so she challenged me to articulate what was my religion. And so I created, in that fall of 83, my first ever all-on-my-own worship service for the Fayetteville, Arkansas Fellowship, and I called it Ecofeminism as Religion or the Evolution of a Rational, Mystic, Born-Again Neo-Pagan. I took this service and related workshops on earthy spirituality on the road and began to call myself a UU evangelist with a mission to thaw out God's frozen people. You know, drumming, singing, with your body, not your eyes, you know. Eventually, I renamed this earthy theology Gaia It is important to understand that while the story I tell is my own, it is not mine alone. It is a story shared by growing numbers of women and men. It is a story of connection, empowerment, healing, transformation. It is a story of shifting patterns, of awakening, of journeying away from what Jean Houston calls the mindscape of the cultural trance, the mindscape of the cultural trance, toward the soulscape of more wholesome ways. It is a story of bending ladders, ladders into circles, or maybe into helixes. 
and sung by Carol Etzler, Eagle Heart. We are dancing Sarah's circle. We will all do our own naming. It is a story of remembering, reclaiming, reinventing ways of being human that owe less to hierarchy than to community, less to knowledge than to wisdom, less to authority than authenticity. And it is deeply rooted in a sense of being earthling. Deeply rooted in a sense of being earthling. In 1993, I was invited to Philosophist, which is a day-long gathering of UUs who love to debate ideas. Bert and Carly and I were asked to, uh, to speak about our differing views on pagans in our churches. Burton, once upon a time, when we were serving on the Southwest board together, said, witches, not at my church. And some of us, of course, who knew better, just laughed. <laughs> uh, so much of what I'm offering you today comes from the articulation of that challenge um, about what is my religion. So here is some of it. We UUs are a reasonable people, a reason-able people. Reason has served us well, and it is not enough. It is necessary, but not sufficient. Something much older, deeper, is also required. Something that comes from the realm of story, of dream, Something about mystery, about journey, about birth, death, rebirth. Something about body, the human body, and our larger body, the earth. Something we know, yet have forgotten we know, and are now remembering. Now, we are reclaiming this ancient knowing from a 21st century perspective. We have learned we are made of stardust, Elements born in the bellies of stars in their death throes. Brian Swim, physicist turned cosmologist, enthuses about the wonder of evolution. Once this was all molten rock, and now here we are. What Swim calls the long left brain meditation of science has delved into the secrets of the universe or the multiverses, as we are now wondering about. And wonder of wonders, this meditation of logic and mathematics has arrived at a place where mystics dwell. Certainly, the wonders of science have made a mystic of me. Ours is not so much a Newtonian billiard ball cause and effect universe as an Einsteinian flickering dance of resonance universe. There is no place of detachment from which to observe. Even the act of observation ripples the interconnected web. 
our place is from within the whole, and the whole is all alive. It's all intelligent. The earth as a whole is alive, is vibrant, resonates with intelligence, with story, with dream. As deep ecologist John Seed reminds us, we are the rocks dancing. Theologian Marcus Borg suggests that one of the characteristics of the prophet is to know what time it is. Not clock time, rather what time it is. What are we to know about these times, our time? Our time is one of a shifting paradigm. Our time is one of a great dying. The earth, this middle-aged planet, is changing irrevocably. Her time of greatest flourishing may be passing. Her youngest spawn, us, is itself spawning some of this change. You and I are inheritors of a species of arrogance, a cultural thrust impelled by a morbid fear of death that thought to so thoroughly dominate nature as to never again have to fear her vagaries, her unbridled power. Uh, tell that to a hurricane. You and I know the destruction that species arrogance has wrought. We see it all around us in myriad forms of violence, domestic, international, interspecies, internecine, internalized. The more we armor ourselves, the more we need our armoring. Fear cringes or strikes out blindly or flees. Fear begets more fear. Violence begets more violence. Where does it end? How can the pattern be broken? Thomas Berry says the work of our time is the reinvention of the human at the species level. I agree. You know, once upon a time, our ancestors were homo habilis, you know, the handy one. And then we very boldly named ourselves homo sapiens, which we generally say is the wise one, but sapiens is really not wisdom, it's knowledge. Now, knowledge is great, but we need to move to the next step of wisdom. We need to become humanosophians. We need to embrace the Sophia, the wisdom. We must become the wise one. And we must midwife an ecological paradigm from which to tell a new story. See, we tell ourselves stories of the gods to set patterns for the culture. And for too long, our gods have had us acting out a story of destruction. We humans must awake to a new story. As Carolyn McDade sings, We're coming home to the spirit in our souls. We're coming home, and the healing makes us whole. Like rivers running to the sea, we're coming home. We're coming home. 
Humans are part of a uniquely generative planet, a species awakening into planetary, galactic, universal awareness. We must learn what that means. Quickly, evolve or perish. There are far-reaching implications of a shifted paradigm. New patterns for all relationships flow from a new worldview. In an ecological paradigm, for instance, all is connected. Now, on a planet where everything is connected, where is a way? Where is a way? Where everyone is connected, none is free till all are free. We are seekers. We must seek to reclaim the oldest and deepest roots of our kind, seek to remember the innate wisdom that is our birthright as earthlings, and we must seek our future, stretching our spirit in the wide-winged soaring of imagination and creativity to reinvent the human story, to retell the human earth story. I walk along the edge of the world where sand, sea, and sky meet, rhythms much older than human, dancing my soul. A rock, a feather, a shell, a seed pod, sing a beauty unsurpassed in art. The waxing and waning of the moon, the time warp of starlight, the day-night-year dance of earth turn and earth tilt, present the eternal mystery of birth, death, rebirth. Now, although I call myself a neo-pagan, as a Gaiologian, I am neither a polytheist nor a monotheist. Actually, I'm not a theist of any kind. I am a monist. In my cosmology, there is not one God out there somewhere, but one godedness, one godding, a verb, one goddessing, a verb, everywhere. Monism, all is one. Everything that is, is a one thing, a monism, especially this planet. And this monism is polymorphous. The one thing materializes in many diverse ways, shapes, forms of being. Polymorphous, many forms. Polymorphous monism, all is one in many forms. Furthermore, this polymorphous monism is holographic. Like a hologram, broken into pieces, each part contains the whole, though not the whole whole, because the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yet, within each part is the whole. Within each of the many forms, the one lives. This oneness can be experienced in many ways of altering consciousness, Meditation, dreams, vision, trance, ecstatic dance, lovemaking. 
Unfortunately, we are accustomed to assign value to the differences among the many. We are less accustomed to thinking of the many as simply varied manifestations of the one. When we do, our perceptions change radically. Our relationships shift dramatically toward I-Thou. Who are you who stands here before me? I am you in another form. When we know ourselves as part of the one in many forms that is Gaia, the earth, when we know ourselves no longer as apart from the earth, but fully part of the earth, yet only a part, we let go of arrogance and step into grace. We honor and give thanks to all the aspects of Gaia, the soil, water, and air that make up the biosphere, including our bodies, and those of all the plants and animals who feed one another, the fire of the day star that fuels all life, the trees and winds that share our breath, the rocks that hold our deepest memory, the moon that turns our blood tides and the tides of the ocean that birthed us. The grandmother, grandfather stars, long noved of whose stuff we are made, all those who have gone before and those who are yet to come, all are our relations, all are sacred. As the Lakota say, Metakwiasan, all our relations. Of course, someday, should our species live so long, Gaia may be seen as hopelessly geocentric. But that will be a story for another time. Amen and blessed be.